We talk a lot on this podcast about chess improvement, but when it comes to improving your hiring processes, Indeed is the platform you need. Indeed has over 350 million global monthly visitors, and it has a matching engine that helps you find quality work candidates fast. You can use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with your candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Years ago, when I was running a chess teaching business, I found it hard to find good help, and I had to go through a lot of back and forth to even screen potential candidates. Indeed allows you to do those things efficiently in one place. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed for hiring, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of Perpetual Chess will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility if you go to Indeed.com slash chess. Just go to Indeed.com slash chess right now, and you'll be supporting our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast, Indeed.com slash chess. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, everyone. I am Ben Johnson, and this is the Perpetual Chess Podcast. Perpetual Chess is a weekly chess interview show where we talk with accomplished chess players, authors, and personalities about their lives, their careers, and how to improve at chess. Perpetual Chess is brought to you through the generosity of its Patreon and PayPal supporters and by Chessable.com. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Perpetual Chess. We have a returning guest, a third-time guest joining us this week, always a crowd favorite. Um, He keeps moving up in the chess world every time he joins the show. He is now the editor of Chess Life magazine in addition to Chess Life Online. Uh, By the time you hear this or shortly after you hear it, he will be making his debut as the Cover Stories with Chess Life podcast host, taking over for Dan Lucas, who of course remains with uh, U.S. Chess, but is passing uh, the role along to John Hartman, and I'm looking forward to hearing John in that capacity. He also obviously has been the book reviewer for Chess Life magazine, so always up on the chess literature, as well as chess tech and chess news generally. So I'm excited to bring him in and catch up with him. Of course, he also plays chess and working on his game constantly, something that we will eventually get to. But um, enough from me. Let's bring John in. John, how are you? 
I am great, Ben. Uh, has anything interesting happened in the world since the last time we talked? Oh my goodness! Uh, yeah, I I don't know where listeners are with the uh, the COVID chit chat at the beginning of every episode because <laughs> I listen to a lot of podcasts and sometimes I want to hear it, and other times I'm like, just anything but COVID nineteen. You know, just pretend it doesn't exist. So well, I, you know, it's it's I I would tend to agree with you, but I think for the chess world right now, you know, for for everybody it's important, but it's having such incredible and I think long lasting effects on, on the chess world on on the way the game is played um, that I, I think, you know, to, to ignore it would be um, malpractice. Yeah. Maybe we can ignore the, uh, the personal impact with, with all due respect, John, we were both complaining to each other before we started recording, but we don't need to, to hash out how it's impacting our family life. But if you don't mind, John, could we start with talking about us chess? Because they kind of, uh, I don't know, sounding an alarm might be a little extreme, but they put out a video um, a, about maybe 10 days ago about um, raising some financial concerns. I mean, I know that they've kind of cut back the page count on Chess Life just in time for you to take over as editor. <laughs> so um, so what's happening there? Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a fascinating time to take over as Chess Life editor. And we'll, we'll get to that in a moment. Um, the the reason the main reason for the the page uh, drop in Chess Life is that the advertisements the TLAs are uh, drying up because quite obviously not many tournaments are being played over the board, so it doesn't make sense for us to have extra pages that are going to be blank and that we need to scramble to fill um, when we've been planning these issues. You know, in, in some cases, a couple months ahead. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, like every other business in the world right now. U.S. Chess um, has some challenges. We we rely very heavily on memberships. Uh, so if you are a member, please renew your membership as soon as possible. If you are not a member and if you're listening to this, um, I highly encourage you to become a member because U.S. Chess is very uh, diligently and deliberately trying to respond to this this time. Um, you know, when we can't have over the board play. Uh, it, it presents certain challenges for the organization. And I think one of the things that has been exciting, especially as I've taken on more responsibility with the organization, is to see how this is sort of a catalyst for some changes that, quite frankly, probably were, were long overdue. So, you know, uh, to the outsider, and I, I've seen some people on the internet um, complaining about, you know, U.S. chess is doing nothing. And uh, I see all these tournaments being run by Ben Feingold and and by Magnus and, and where's us chess and all this? Well, you know, it, it may not be apparent, but we've been doing really an awful lot to try to provide value for our members. Um, we've been running seminars and webcasts basically for the past month and a half. And as soon as we put out the call via email, uh, usually these emails go to our affiliates uh, and to our members, they fill up within a day. Uh, so we've got uh, Chris Bird doing a, series of seminars for tournament directors, for people who are tournament directors and who might like to be tournament directors. Uh, we've been doing uh, Jen Shahadi, who uh, you just spoke to, I guess, the other night. Uh, she's been killing it with uh, instructional stuff for, for the girls club and, uh, you know, uh, webinars with like Carissa Yip and Sabina Foyser. Uh, and as I understand it, there may be a move to make some of these things open to both boys and girls in the future, which will be very nice. Um, I actually have a YouTube show that's on the U S chess channel called leveling up. 
and the conceit, and I, I do use that word quite consciously, uh, the conceit of the, the the show is that we'll look at games by players rated, say, 1,100, 1,200, and we will try to look at typical mistakes made at that level and try to figure out how to avoid them. So uh, instead of looking at you know flashy games like Morphe versus The Count and the Duke, we'll look at games by two 10-year-olds from an internet tournament in Slovakia and uh, to me, it seems like that might be a more fruitful way to try to learn how to um, avoid some of the, the typical mistakes beginners make. So we've had all these these seminars, these webcasts. We're beginning to move a little bit into Twitch content, which I think will become important for that May 30th tournament that, uh, I, uh, that I don't know if you and Jen talked about, but we'll, we'll definitely talk about in a moment. Uh, US Chess has been doing a lot of organizational stuff behind the scenes. So the, the FIDE Youth Cup, I don't know if you remember this, where we... Uh, we sent a U.S. team into battle uh, over the web, of course, uh, against you know China and Russia and uh, a world team, I think. Um, we had to do all, all the organizational work for that. So getting the players, making sure they were all lined up, making sure their technology was, was sufficient. Um, that work doesn't stop just because you know, the over-the-board stuff ends. And really the biggest thing, I think, that listeners should be excited about is the the new things that are going on with online play in us chess. And, you know, this actually just happened literally uh, yesterday. I think some of the, uh, the executive board passed three motions. Uh, this is public record. So I'm not really, I'm not breaking embargoes or anything. Three motions got passed, which I think are going to be very important. Um, if you are a us chess member, you can go and look at the governance documents. You can always do this and see what the, the executive board motions are, but I'll just sort of give you the, the thumbnail real quick. Uh, they are, uh, establishing an online play task force, which basically is going to convert the existing rules we have for internet play into a more codified online play system. And uh, that will include collaborating with the big platforms like chess.com, chessclub.com, Lee Chess to look at their fair play mechanisms and make sure they cohere with our rules. Um, we are going to have a regular time control online rating. So, you know, right now we have like for over the board, we have blitz and uh, quick and regular online, uh, regular ratings. And at the moment we only have a quick and a blitz online rating because most of the tournaments we've been running before were simply, um, you know, five minute or maybe 10 minute turn uh, games. But now that people are trying to run longer tournaments online, it, it becomes important to have a regular rating and, I'm told that probably within the next two weeks that should be up and running. Um, they're coding it right now, and it'll definitely be baked into the um, the phase one web redesign, which we should also talk about. Uh, so yeah, these these regular ratings for online are going to be important because they also um, authorized uh, the creation of an online quick rated tournament for high school seniors. So you know, with the, the with all these tournaments being canceled, including the U.S. Open. Um, the, a lot of the, the, the invitationals we had also had to be canceled. So the barber, the danker, the herring, the Rockefeller, and then the senior tournament. And that's, you know, uh, that's 250 players who have lost out on an invitational. Uh, and a lot of them are, are understandably very upset. I'd be upset if I was, you know, a, a high school player who, who got to play in the, in the, in the danker and, and suddenly couldn't do it because of COVID. So I think they're going to try to move it online. Don't quote me on that, but I, I suspect that's everyone's hope. And this quick-rated tournament for high school seniors, I think they're looking at it as uh, a kind of test case. So if, if they can do this successfully, 
I would not be surprised. And again, this is not me speaking officially for us chess. This is just me speaking as a us chess member. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see that happen. Um, really. And you know, uh, one thing that is coming, um, I know it's being worked on. I don't think it's been completely finalized is a mechanism for us chess to incorporate or at least make use of some of chess.com's fair play stuff to, um, to avoid cheating online. Uh, Cause that, that's really where the, the biggest problem comes for, for online online play is that, you know, if, if there are cheaters and, you know, today I saw Nigel short uh, on Twitter or Facebook or somewhere, I don't know. Uh, talking about how there was this European blitz tournament and in the 14 to 1700 section, five out of the six top players were booted from chess.com because they had cheated because fair play had kicked them out. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's one thing for, for chess.com to do that. But when you're talking about us chess, which is, you know, uh, what we do is we run official games, right? I mean, we, we run official games and national championships. Cheating there is a, is, is even bigger. The high, the stakes are even bigger there. So you have to have a mechanism where fair play is going to work within our national framework. And my understanding is that that is being worked out. And um, I, I expect, again, speaking unofficially, I expect good things to be announced in the near future. Okay. So one thing we should mention is we're recording on May 21st, uh, 2020. So and I'm not 100% sure when this episode is going to come out, but for any mentions of... Uh, potential chronology that's something listeners should keep in mind um and yeah the the cheating stuff is just it really makes me sad i mean there's so much good there's so many good things happening in chess but um this i mean it's just such a big issue and uh yeah it's i i know that the websites are are working really hard to to catch people but it would be so much easier if people would stop doing it. Yeah. It, it's, I mean, you know, on the one hand, it's human nature. You know, I, I, I know some chess teacher friends of mine who, you know, if, if they run a tournament um, and they catch their students cheating, they'll ask them, they say, you know, why, why would you do this? And, you know, they, they don't want to let their parents down or they don't want to let their teacher down. Um, you know, chess is a very, I mean, anyone who competes knows this. It's, it's a very, it's a very, it's very tough on your ego. Yeah. Um, and, you know, kids make mistakes. Um, I certainly did when I was a kid, although I, yeah, didn't have... I get it more with kids. I will say, I mean, which doesn't, that doesn't make the problem go away. No, you know? but I, I understand it more when kids do it than when adults do it. But so I, I think this is one reason uh, or one place where, you know, maybe we, we haven't moved quickly enough, but I think we're moving very diligently and, and very deliberately right now. Uh, it's important to get this right. If we're going to have an online rating system where, you know, your U.S. chess online rating transfers to any of the the servers that that you might play chess on, we got to get it right. Um, otherwise, we we can't do it. So I'm glad to see that that uh, from what I've seen internally, they're talking to the right people and they're taking the right steps to make this as as safe and as effective as it can be. Yeah, I, I, I'm also I'm happy to see it and. Certainly, as you as you mentioned early on, um, one point that this uh, virus has driven home is the I mean, the, you know, people um, basically a, a lot of the hot takes I've seen about uh, the coronavirus generally are that it's any trend that was in place, like in, in any industry is being accelerated. Um, 
by the coronavirus. And that's certainly the case with uh, chess, chess's move online. Um, but yeah, yeah I mean, that creates its own set of problems, of course. It does. I mean, you know, speaking speaking as a magazine editor now, um, it, it it makes it hard to, to to begin to try to project out what we should be talking about in August, right? Um, you know, right now we're and we're right now we're working on the July issue, and I just booked um, I just booked Eric Rosen to write an article about Hikaru and streaming uh, for, oh, cool. for, for, for August. Timing. But yeah. you know, we, we were talking about it, and I, I don't think I'm breaking any confidence. You know, Eric was like. I mean, this is all changing day by day. I mean, you know, by the time August rolls around, it could be, you know, virtual reality with 3D headset. I mean, we don't know. I mean, <laughs> right. Um, but it, it really does feel like that, that, that this trend in, in chess um, to, you know, to streaming and online is just sort of dramatically accelerated in the past two months. And, yeah. and uh, you know, I think once the genie's out of the bottle, I, I, I don't think we're putting it back. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll see. It'll be interesting. I mean, I know a lot of people, a lot of listeners to the show, a lot of the people I correspond with online, everyone does miss real chess. You know? Absolutely. I mean, oh, the, the community, I, I think the community factor of it is, is irreplaceable here in Nebraska. Um, you know, we, we used to have a weekly club and, and we struggled because we couldn't find a, a space for it that, that we could afford. Um, but even so, I mean, you know, with a monthly tournament, you know, you, you get to see your friends, right. And, and now we're replacing that with weekly or, or bi-weekly arenas on, on Lee chess and chess.com. And it's, it's, it's not the same. Um, you know, it's, it's fun to chat. I actually, I stream ours on Monday nights. I stream uh, the, the Nebraska blitz on, on Lee chess and, and people will, you know, hop into the chat and I know who they are and we have a lot of fun laughing at each other and mostly laughing at my terrible chess moves. Um, but it's not the same thing. And, I think there's always going to be a place for overboard chess. What that looks like, I, I mean, I, I couldn't dare to guess, especially at least for the next year. But there's no denying the the sort of ease of online chess, and especially now the money that's being pumped pumped into it. Um, I, I, I think they must see a market for it, and and I suspect it's really there. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. I mean, it's gone from. Obviously, I love chess. I'm you know huge fan. Uh, love watching the big tournaments. Um, but I probably mentioned on this podcast at some point prior to the coronavirus, I was starting to feel like a little big event fatigue because the calendar was moving so quickly. Yeah. Um, and now it's just that's transferred to online. Like it went from me being like super psyched for the uh, the Magnus Invitational on Chess 24. And as I've mentioned a couple of times, I've loved the uh, I'm not a GM tournament on chess.com. But now it's like something every day. And because of the global nature of chess and the global nature of what would have been OTB tournaments, now it's like already I'm feeling like I can't keep up with the online flow. And it's sort of my job. Yeah, I'm I'm struggling with it, too. I, ha- I have to admit it's it's um, it, it went from nothing to literally you're right every single day and sometimes multiple things going on in one day. So. Um, you know, what, what's interesting to me though, is that we're also beginning to see tentative steps towards, um, like traditional over the board tournaments as well. So that, uh, what was it? Sunway Sitges? Is that, yeah. is that how you say it? Um, you know, fascinating. This, this was the first tournament that was run completely online and, uh, every player had to have cameras on them to, um, you know, and had to be logged into zoom because, 
Zoom is our overlord now and controls everything. Right. Uh, you know, but but is this the future? I mean, you know, instead of flying to St. Louis or New Jersey for the U.S. Open, is this going to be what we do? I I don't know, it, it, but it's possible. Yeah, I, I'm skeptical. I have to say, um, at the at the non elite level, I just don't see how it's feasible. Yeah, I, well, I mean, you know, and the idea that you're gonna you know take nine days and sit at home in your basement on your computer and play five hour games, um, yeah, somehow that, it, it doesn't have the romance of the tournament room. Although that yeah. totally sounds ridiculous when I say it, but right, you know, <laughs> um, um, I think I think Jesse Cry's uh, article in June, especially the beginning chat, the, the beginning paragraphs. I think they they get to the 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 the, the, the somewhat bizarre nature of, of what it means to play in a large tournament. Especially, after, you know, I, I played in the World Teams the for the first time this year, and when you read Jesse's article and you read uh, what he talks about uh, about stepping into the men's room, I, I think everyone, every man who has done this at a tournament, will, will immediately see themselves and say, "Yeah, I, I I get it. It's weird." Yeah. Yeah, he touched on that when he was on the show a few weeks ago. And yeah, and the the world team for those in the U.S. also, at least to uh, dinosaurs like me, historically known as the U.S. Uh, amateur team East. Um, and of course, uh, its longtime head, um, Steve Doyle, was one of the people in the video from, from U.S. Chess, along with its current president, Alan Priest. And I did, John, um, I did want to bring it back to that that. U.S. chess video just just a little bit just sure. to get a little more info about um, uh, what's going on. But so for those who didn't see this video or didn't hear anything about it, I mean, basically, as John mentioned early on, um, just a sort of uh, gentle nudge for anyone who enjoys uh, the services provided by U.S. chess, whether it be their magazines or their podcasts or, of course, their live tournaments. Um, or if you just like the people, like hearing from people like John and Jen Shahadi um, and Dan Lucas and so on and so forth um, to, you know, the memberships like 45 bucks a year. I think it's like 40 if you get a digital subscription, 50 if you and, get. And let me, highly, let me highly suggest you spend that extra $9 to get the paper magazine because. Yes, that's a good point. I certainly do. If you like it now, you're going to love it in the months to come. Excellent. Yeah. Um, but so they basically said that they're. I mean, okay, obviously the nationals, the big scholastic tournaments um, in the spring are traditionally big revenue sources. I mean, you have thousands of kids coming in to play in these tournaments. So they're obviously revenue sources for U.S. chess. Um, the the membership of players themselves and particularly scholastic um, players are a revenue source. And um, uh, former president Steve Doyle or, or Alan Priest or Dan Lucas, I, I can't recall who in the video mentioned um basically they're they're a big concern it sounded like they're okay cash flow wise for a few months at least but they're worried in the fall that a lot of the kids who who knows as you were saying if they'll go back to school at this point uh probably looks better now than it did even 10 days ago but um they're worried that if there aren't live tournaments the kids aren't going to renew which i think is a valid concern but so john of course the tough question i need to ask you is like so how how dire is the situation come September if, um, you know, if kids aren't back in school and playing tournaments? I think, you know, I am, I am not privy to the finances. So I'm, I'm not a budget guy. Um, I'm not a development guy. I, I'm a content jockey and, and a content editor now. Uh, so my sense of things is that it is serious. It is, you know, um, it's, it's a real concern that people do not renew their memberships. 
because if they don't, that's a giant revenue stream that is no longer available to U.S. chess. At the moment, um, as I know Alan has been fond of saying, it's a good thing we we uh, we had built up a rainy day fund because it's raining right now and it's mm-hmm. raining hard. Uh, you know, there, there's you can't sugarcoat it. It's it's serious when uh, people don't renew their memberships, and you know, uh, there's also the the, the question of um, rating fees. You know, if you're not running tournaments, we don't get the rating fees for rating the games. So it's kind of a double whammy. That said, uh, U.S. Chess did apply for some of the governmental funds, the PPP funds, and they did receive them. So that is a big help. And we do have this cash reserve that I'm sure we will have to burn through some of. But really, much of what happens depends on members. If members renew, we're going to be in good shape. Okay, um, but so I mean, people listening to this, hopefully, you know, everyone's financial situation is differently, but is different. But hopefully, the people um, for whom it's it's you know wouldn't be a hardship renew. But I mean, the kids, like as someone who does some scholastic coaching, like I'm not going to be able to get my students who, you know, out of goodwill, they're not going to renew. You know, and that's that's a very serious challenge. I mean, you know, you, you can't sugarcoat it, but. I think at the end of the day, if people who are interested in chess in America want to see American chess continue to succeed and, and they want to have a framework in which chess will be played after this is all over, after, you know, after however it ends, whether it's a a vaccine or, you know, herd immunity or however we get there. If you want there to be organized chess in America, you have to step up now. Um, and it's not like you're not getting anything for your dollar. We are providing more content than we have ever provided before. Um, just the magazine alone, just, you know, and, and again, uh, as the new editor, uh, I, I, you know, I'm invested in this personally, um, but I'm also invested in this as a fan of chess because, you know, when you get the June issue, uh, you'll see my letter that I, that I wrote to all the members sort of introducing myself and explaining why, um, I'm so excited to be the the new editor of, of, of Chess Life, and you know it, it's a true story. I um I had I'd started to we we'd sort of worked out that this was going to happen some months ago. Um, Linda Matthews, the the previous editor, uh, was doing so much work. But, you know, it, it used to be that the the Chess Life editor, basically the publications editor, basically just did Chess Life, and that was it. And maybe the delegates call, and maybe some internal documents, and that's about it. Now we've got Chess Life. Chess Life Kids, uh, all of the internal documents, all of the programs for uh, all of our national events, the newsletter that goes to people who don't get the magazine but want some sort of newsletter, so they get basically the TLAs every other month. Basically, it, it, it's the, the the work sort of you know grew exponentially, and so what ended up we, we ended up deciding was that she was going to take everything but Chess Life, um, and that I would take over as the Chess Life editor. Yeah. And so I've, I've had some time to think about this. And, um, you know, one day I, I was at a bookstore in here in Omaha and I saw that someone, someone I know had sold 35 years worth of bound copies of chess life to this used bookstore. And, you know, I don't know how many people know this. One another thing us chess has done, we've put just about our entire archive of magazines up on the web for free. So anyone right now can go to uschess.org and download everything except for the last year of chess life and chess life in review going back to the 1930s 
And uh, so some people might ask, well, John, you know, why on earth did you buy these magazines? Because I did buy them. I got a very good deal, yeah. uh, but I did buy them. Why did you buy them? If you can just have them on your hard drive, you download them for free. These magazines were, were bound by this person each year for 35 years. They took the actual issues they got, took them to a bindery and had them bound up. That's how much chess life has meant to people over the years. That's how much it meant to me when I, you know, 1989, when I started playing chess, I remember the first issue I saw, I can't remember the cover. I remember the game that Bob Sostak, shout out to Bob, big friend of the pod, wherever he is. Mm -hmm. Um, He's probably in Merrick, New York, actually, probably where he is. Uh, He showed me a game between Karpov and and someone It was played at Harvard. It might've been, might've been deep, deep thought. I can't remember, but like, I remember him showing me this game and thinking, my God, this chess magazine, it's amazing. Somebody sends you this every month and it's got all the chess news and it's wonderful. Um, you know, that magazine right now, if you are a premier member of us chess, costs you $49 to a get new, yeah, a year for 12 issues. Um, new in chess is a hundred dollars a year American for eight issues. American chess magazine is a hundred dollars for six issues. The English magazine chess, I think is $90 for 12 issues. Although you can get a uh, you know, like a promo rate for the first year for $50. That's so you can get that at chess for less. I subscribe to all four magazines. Um, but of in course terms, you do. Of course I do. Cause that's the, well, <laughs> I, I, I did. I'll tell you the truth. I did even before I started as editor, but now, especially, you know, I'm, I'm going to steal everything I can from these people. Are you kidding me? Right. Uh, but, but just, just as, in terms of that value, just as a magazine, a print magazine that is going to get better and better and better. It's a steal. But what else you get for that? You get the online rating system, which we're going to be using now for the next year. And anecdotally, I've seen all sorts of chess teachers using it as a way to differentiate themselves. So they'll they'll run like a tournament for their students and they'll say, by the way, this is going to be online rated. So it's going to count for your official online U.S. chess rating. So instead of just being like, you know, oh, my Lee chess went up, it's going to show up on your on your USCF. And I think I think that's a selling point they're using. It shows how valuable this is. You're not only getting that, you're, you're getting the magazine, the rating, the infrastructure. So, you know, um, the the ethics committee to deal with cheaters in in online tournaments, the seminars and the webinars that we're running that are there, you're going to see more of as the week's going on. My leveling up uh, series, which I think people will really like if they're if they're beginners and and trying to get a sense of, of how to improve a chess and how not to make some mistakes. You know, all, all the organizational work that we have to do. Um, and we're going to have to do in the future for all the youth events that we run, the FIDE youth events, the, the U.S. championship, the senior, you know, the, the senior championships. The Olympia, the world junior. Every, everything that we do requires support. Yeah. And if people don't step up now, you know, um, a year or two from now, the robust organization you expect things from may not be as robust as it is now. So you know, I, I implore you if you are listening to this and, and again, you know, I'm, I'm very aware of how, um, how this is affecting people. And, and it's, it's a scary time for everybody financially, medically, morally, ethically. It's, it's, you know, I mean, this is, this is serious. This is, this is no joke, but if if you can do it, if you can, if you can renew your membership, do it. If you got a buddy who can't afford it, Maybe, you know, you, you pay for them. Um, you know, if there's some kids who, you know, who are maybe would like to get chess life kids, which is really, a, it's a neat magazine. It doesn't get enough credit. 
maybe maybe you you know you you get a a block of scholastic uh scholastic memberships and and then you give it to them um it it really depends on the membership and you know if you have deep pockets we're always looking for donors so uh you know don't don't be shy come out and and help USGS however you can john you're a natural born uh natural born salesman i have been preparing for this all day <laughs> I, I mean, I, seriously it's it's you know it's it's important um we who love chess have a responsibility to the future yeah. you know we have a responsibility to those who are going to come after us and i feel that as the editor of chess life i mean my i mean my god the, the, if you had told the the 15 year old me that i'd be ch- that I'd be chess life editor someday come on yeah i i, I would have soiled myself i i you'd you know, ruled out the yankees by then right uh, the, the don't don't ever speak ill of the Yankees now. <laughs> no, I'm saying yeah, at that point you figured you're not going to be playing for the Yankees. <laughs> oh, well, that that was a given. I mean, you know, I'm <laughs> I'm squat and uh, untalented. Right. Okay. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, but you know, chess life has been an important resource for people, and I want it to be that way for the next fifty years. That all depends on people doing their part now. So excellent. Okay. Yeah. And I did, I renewed for two years, which is the max, the website. So actually you can, you can do this by the way. You can actually, we, we checked on this because, um, another thing that's coming is we're, we're redoing the website. So we've got uh, a phase one and a phase two, uh, reboot. And we kind of had to put phase two off, but some parts of phase two snuck in. Don't worry about the technical part. Anyway, what I was told is that in order to make it so that you could renew like six years or eight years, They'd have to code the old website, and it's not worth doing since the new website is supposed to be up in like July. Sounds like Chessable. <laughs> yeah, ch- ch- we should talk about Chessable, man. They are, wow, they're killing it. Um, <laughs> yeah. But um, what you can do is you can actually renew like multiple two-year blocks. So for oh, those okay. who are so inclined, you you can do that. It's it's a little more work, but um, I, I think you will agree we're worth it. We're 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 definitely worth it. Okay, good to know. Yeah, I'll, <laughs> I'll throw another couple years on there. We appreciate it. Um, okay. So excellent. I think you made a compelling case. And yeah, I mean, and just one thing to keep in mind, one last thing on this for for listeners, especially in the US. And, you know, uh, we have a lot of inter- international listeners again. So, I mean, as well. So anyone internationally listening, I mean, you could make a small donation if you listen to the podcast or, you know, read CLO or whatever it may be, or just support your own federation. Um, which I'm sh- I'm sure many federations are dealing with um with similar issues, but I just I just want to say I mean the U.S. Chess like they have great people there now, and uh, um it could definitely be worse. So um, you know um, uh, nature abhor- abhors a vacuum. I mean I think from from what you say, John, it sounds like it's not a uh, you know um, five alarm fire or anything, but I mean this is a good time to, to take stock of things that you appreciate and make sure that they make it to the other side of this. So, yeah, I, I do want to say uh, for international listeners. Um, I, so I am, I am now the editor of chess life, but I'm also retaining uh, editorship of chess life online. And so anyone can go to uschess.org and see what we have to offer there. Uh, we have podcasts. We have four podcasts every month. Um, we have a YouTube channel where we will be putting up more content. If you just like really good chess, one of the things that I think got completely ignored during the candidates, and I'm really mad about it. Uh, we had Jakob Agard as, as our guest commentator for the candidates for the first half of the candidates before it went to, you know, before it got postponed, he was doing a game of the day and the, the annotations 
look, I looked at just about all the annotations I could find. His were by far the best. Um, and they're available in downloadable PGN format and in replayable format. Uh, you can also download a PDF if you are so inclined to play over those games with a with a with a board and and pieces. If 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 you're old school like me, uh, so you can go to uschess.org and find that right now. If you if you go to CLO and then you click on the right hand page on the right hand page where there's a um, uh, the the categories. If you click on candidates, you'll find those those reports. You'll also find videos that he and I did that are on our yeah. YouTube channel, where you know he tells you uh, exactly what he thinks about all of the players. He holds. He, he pulls no punches. All that's free. Um, well, it's not free. <laughs> it's, right. it, it's, it's free to the people who come to see it, but it has to get paid for somehow. If you like that sort of thing, um, you know, uh, if you are, if you, if you want to become a member, an international member, that is fantastic. Uh, if you just want to donate, that is really helpful too. But all that stuff is there for you. Come and check us out. Yeah. And I think I told this story or some semblance of it before, but uh, speaking of uh, GM Agard's videos on on the candidates, um, in round two, when Caruana lost to Ding Liren, and he played this uh, novelty, and I could not understand that game because everyone was kind of swooning over Caruana's novelty, and then he just lost. So, yeah. and of course, I can't understand these games anyway. No, but, <laughs> they're but, tough. But um, so I watched like three, four videos and they were all really good. And I learned something different from everyone, but I still couldn't really figure out what, what went wrong. And it was GM Agard's video where he actually, uh, for us chess, where he actually, um, espoused the theory, a, a plausible theory that there were like a very tangible move order mistake that that Fabiano made in the opening. So that video and shout to Brian Karen for bringing it to my attention when I was talking on Twitter about how I had no idea what happened in that game. Um, so yeah, that's, that's just one example, but just, just wanted to throw that in there because yeah, I did greatly enjoy his coverage of the candidates as I do his coverage of, of everything. Yeah. Um, which you, I mean, there's there's so many directions we could go, John. But um, so I think we should. Well, let's go to let's go to uh, your leaving behind chess books because I mean chess book reviews. But John, first, let's speaking of chessable a few minutes ago, let's take a break to hear from them. Absolutely. If you are a regular perpetual chess listener or a classic chess book reader or both, you are probably familiar with the Art of Attack in Chess by I am Vladimir Vukovic. What you may not know is this classic chess book is now being expanded on chessable.com as Grandmaster Simon Williams himself, the Ginger GM, fierce attacking player, is making a video course to supplement this classic book. So I personally am looking forward to checking this out and I recommend you do the same. Go to chessable.com and have a look at the Art of Attack in Chess video course by Simon Williams. So one bit of bad news in all of this, uh, your um, new gig, John, is that you will no longer be doing the book reviews for Chess Life, but there is a silver lining in who will be taking over. So John, who's who's it going to be? Correct. Uh, the new book reviewer for Chess Life is none other than international master John Watson. Um, I, I was very excited when uh, I asked him to do it, and he, he was a little bit hesitant, but eventually he agreed. And I, I think... Anyone who has seen John's reviews for The Week in Chess, uh, I, I think they will really like what they see in these first reviews. I've, I've got the first three um, in the can, so to speak, and uh, they're, they're very, 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 very good. 
Are you able to reveal to us what they are, John? Yeah. So for my last review was in May and I talked about uh, correspondence databases. So uh, talking about tech stuff, by the way, there, uh, one thing about tech, by the way, for those of you, since we probably won't get to it and there's so much to talk about, for those of you who are using the Stockfish development engines, uh, for those of you nerds like me who are doing that, uh, they just put large page support in. So read the material on that, set it up on your system. If you've got a lot of memory, you're going to get about a 15 to 20% boost on your Stockfish speed. Okay. Now that that nerdery is over. Yeah. Um, yeah, I did, I did something about uh, correspondence databases in May. And so for the June issue, which should be out shortly by the time you hear this, John reviewed um, Beyond Material, Ignore the Face Value of Your Pieces and Discover the Importance of Time, Space, and Psychology in Chess by Grandmaster Dvorin Kulasevic. I think that's how you say it. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it, I'm terrible pronouncing name. Yeah, right? I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not getting involved. Yeah. You're but, on your um, own there. <laughs> but yeah, so he, he goes through that book and sort of makes a, it's a, it's a favorable review and the examples are very, very nice. Um, and he, you know, he also sort of makes the case for why reading books is, is still important in the age of the computer. Uh, July, I think July. Yeah, July is Christoph Selecki's uh, book on 1D4. Excellent. And uh, originally, you know, I, I hate doing this because originally, I, and I don't know if he's going to get mad if I say this or not, he had, he had written like 3,000 words, um, you know, doing a review of the 1E4 and the 1D4 book. And uh, unfortunately, compared to Twick, where he could just, you know, just put it right, all out, yeah. um, he's only got two pages. So we had to kind of cut it down uh, to the D4 stuff. But again, I, I think he, he contextualizes the book really, really well. Um, sort of explaining the difficulties in writing a book like that and where he thinks it succeeds. Um, and then it's, I, I think people really get a, lo- a lot out of the review. The last one that he just did uh, is about uh, Kazim Janov's DVD on the Benoni. Ah, which I have also checked out. Yeah. I, I, I looked at it a little bit. It looks really, really excellent. So um, I, I haven't read that as much yet because we're still working on the July issue. But uh, I, I think, uh, you know, I mean, John literally wrote the book on the Benoni. So yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I had John's book back in the day. Yeah. And, um, you know, I know he, he still plays it from time to time. So I think mm-hmm. uh, I, I think, you know, there's probably nobody better in the world to review that than him. Cool. Yeah. Exciting stuff. And yeah, John's, uh, you know, walking chess encyclopedia. Um, and and yeah, he'll he's um Great replacement, although, John, we will miss your reviews, I have to say. Well, the good news is, um, depending on what my time looks like, because, you know, I have so much <laughs> I have so much spare time, right. uh, I still have the ability to write an occasional review for Chess Life Online um, and possibly for my own blog, uh, chessbookreviews.wordpress.com, where anybody who is interested in my six years of book reviews can go and find all of them. So I will link to. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things I'm thinking of reviewing, I, I don't think John's going to review it. So I feel safe in doing it is the, the new translation of the book on Donner. Um, yeah. I, I, have you seen this book yet? I know it exists. No, I need to do a Donner deep dive. But, Don, um, it is. And, and, you know, the author just died too. Munninghoff just, uh, just died a, a week or two ago. So I, I, he, he did live to see the, the translation, uh, which is nice. Um, but yeah, it's, what a great book. <laughs> um, you know, this is not a, this is not a book you're going to learn a whole lot of chess from, although 
there are like 30 annotated games at the end, um, quite a few of which are, are, are Donner miniature losses, because apparently that was kind of like an ongoing joke in Dutch chess circles. Um, yeah, that, that someone put together a book of his, his his short losses, including that that famous one to the Chinese player from the 78 Olympiad. Uh, but this 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 book paints a picture of a world that doesn't exist anymore. Um, you know, Donner was a child of privilege in uh, in in post war uh, post war Netherlands. His father was a very important judge and government minister. I think his brother ended up being a government minister too. Um, and and Donner was just this complete bohemian, you know, um, iconoclast. And uh, you know, I, I think the only thing he respected in the world was Oiva. You know, he, he had this this immense respect for Max Oiva, and uh, it, it's fascinating to read this book and and sort of get an image of a of a time that just no longer exists and and probably never will again. Um, so definitely, you know, if you're looking for a good read right now, and I mean, you know, who who among us isn't uh, the the Hein Donner biography from New Chess is is it? It's it's fantastic. Okay. Um, and while we're on the topic, John, we always got to hit you up for all, all the latest book reviews and hopefully you're not too, too out of touch yet. No, no, no. I, I actually, I just got, I knew and Chess sent me some books today. Um, I'm, I'm excited to read the Stuart Rachel's book. Uh, the best I saw in chess. Yes. So Stuart Rachel's is an IM who against all odds won the 1989 U S championship. And, uh, so it's, it's stories about his time in chess, about the people he met, um, I, I just glanced at it because it literally came in the mail today. Yeah, but, I'm excited. Um, I, ma- I made one attempt to get him to come on for an interview. So far, no luck. But um. he, well, I, you know, um, you, you should persist because okay. uh, he's a very interesting guy. He's a philosopher by profession. Yeah, um, and uh, I, I think he writes very well, and I'm excited to read that. Um, the Willie Hendricks book was in there too, uh, which I he suspect is probably coming soon. <laughs> well, that that will be. I will be excited to see that. Um, yeah, his previous book was very controversial. Yeah. And I suspect this one will be just as controversial. So uh, I'm looking forward to having a look at it. Um, yeah, I, I started to think about, and I pulled like 15 books off my shelf to talk about. Let's see. Um, probably my favorite book from the last year is The, the Nemesis by F.M. Geller. Uh, there was this uh, translation by Douglas. Was it Douglas Griffin who did that? Yeah, shout to Douglas Griffin. Yeah, I, so um, he did. He did he do that? He... Yes, he did. Okay, and and he also did the the fiftieth cent match of the century fiftieth. Yeah, well, and that and also the the Levenfish book, right? Ah, right. Maybe he the, did uh, the, 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 so- one. The, the Soviet outcast. Did he do that? He did the translation. I'm actually I'm literally looking in the books right now. Okay. So if you can hear them shuffling, that's what I'm doing. Apologies if I if I got that wrong, but in the meanwhile, uh, if you guys haven't heard Douglas Griffin's interview uh, on Perpetual Chess probably eight months ago, um, those of you who are on chess Twitter know him well. He shares awesome pictures and just knows tons of chess history, yep. especially Russian chess. And um, and what's great is he puts he he puts freshly translated stuff up on his blog all the time. Yeah. Um, so you amazing. so I think he just did uh, Botvinnik's annotations to the first three games from the Oiva Alyekin rematch. Um, and again, totally free, which is, I mean, incredibly generous of him. Uh, quick note, the Geller book was not translated by Griffin. It was translated by John Shugden. My apologies to everyone. Yeah. Yes. But uh, Shugden also does a great job. Yeah, the, the Geller book, uh, that was my December 2019 review. Um, and 
it is, you know, that this is the sort of book that you can have on your shelf and you can go and play through the games again and again and again. And, and Geller was such a brilliant player. Um, you know, the, the, the line that, you know, Botvinnik famously said that, you know, before Geller, we did not understand the King's Indian. Um, he, he was that, that important, a strategic thinker. And, and for someone like Botvinnik to say that is, is pretty impressive. So the, the games are brilliant. Um, the annotations, what I like about it is I, I think the uh, Agard did a very good job of not allowing the, the new computer uh, discoveries to overwhelm it. Uh, and, you know, Max Notkin, who did the, the Russian edition, he put a few notes in um, sort of, you know, in the text so that you could see where, where maybe Geller, uh, his analysis could have been improved. But then um, I do believe that, uh, you know, Agard mostly let that stand and there, there are very few intrusions of, of computer analysis into Geller's thinking. Uh, and for me, that's, that's the most important thing. You know, you play through these games, like, you know, Levin Fish's games or, um, uh, well, who else was I thinking of? Some, some of the annotations uh, in Nikitin's book about Kasparov, you know, you, you play through these, not to get the computer analysis, you play through these to see how the great players were thinking. And, and you, you couldn't do better than, than the Geller book. Um, yeah. For me, it's, it's possibly the book of the year. Wow. Um, Nikitin's books. Uh, these are the ones from Elkin Ruby, uh, coaching mm. Kasparov year by year. Um, I really like them because you don't get this sort of unvarnished look at a young player very often. Um, I can see how some people might be frustrated by it because, you know, there's sometimes there's the, pro- you know, there's the promise of you're going to learn how we trained Kasparov. You get some of that, but it's probably not as much as people would expect. It's, it's certainly not. Um, as much as maybe you saw in, um, oh, uh, Tukmakov's book about coaching the stars. Yeah. Um, but you know, uh, to see unpublished games by Kasparov and to read what his coaches had to say was going on behind the scenes. Uh, I really, really like these books. My only complaint is that they weren't packaged together as one volume. Uh, I, I kind of felt like volume one and volume two could have gone together as one book pretty easily. And, uh, you know, but th- that, that, that's a small complaint, I guess. Um, you just have to you know, you got to shell out more money, but you know, you're supporting a small, uh, you know, small bookseller. And that's probably not a bad thing. Uh, other books that I really, really like, let's think, um, the Anon files. Uh, I mean, you just had, uh, Avalon on, and of course you had Peter Heine Nielsen on very recently who, who figured prominently in that book. I can't think of a better matchbook or, or tournament sort of, you know, behind the scenes book than you're going to find than the Anon files. Just brilliant brilliant stuff details that uh and, and detective work that Ablin must have really i mean he must have sweated to get these things yeah i think he did and for anyone i a ton of people told me they really loved the peter hein nielsen sort of oral history so for anyone who did i mean you you that means you'd like this book absolutely it's um yeah i mean you, you can't say enough good things about it and um my understanding is that all of the author's profits are going to charity so that's that's also very very nice. Um, so yeah, definitely a book to consider if you are looking for something to read. The game analysis is also outstanding, of course, but really, I read it for the dirt. I mean, yeah, you know, I, I wanted the gossip, and and there was plenty of it. Um, some less some less well promoted books. Um, so who is the publisher on this? Chess University or Russian Chess House? Victor Golenshenev. 
a training program for chess players. Uh, they just put out a new book for first category. I think they had one for like 1400 through 1800. And then they just put a new one out for 1600 through 2000. The editor in chief is Karpov, but um, I don't really think he did a lot of editing for this. Uh-huh. I, I think his name is just on it. If you're looking for a, a really like, like it's like a chess textbook. That's the only way I can put it. And it's, it doesn't have a lot of bells and whistles, but what you get in this slim little hardcover book is basically like lots and lots of chess, you know, uh, chess positions that are very well explained, uh, covering endings, tactics, uh, strategy. Uh, there's some stuff in here on pawn structures at the end, you know, like having a pawn majority, different like isolated pawns, things like that. Uh, it, it's a really educational book and, and not a lot of people talk about it. So this and its uh, earlier counterpart, uh, training uh, training program for chess players, I can't remember what it is, uh, second category probably, definitely worth checking out if you're looking for improvement material. Uh, other than that, uh, very sad I mean, note this year. Go, go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to say, I mean, that's already plenty. Well, I mean, there, I there are a couple more I do want to talk about just because okay. – um, you know, um, I, I don't know if all the listeners are going to know who Bob Long was. Um, I, I mainly know from your Facebook tribute. Yeah, yeah. Bob Long uh, was a chess publisher, the Thinker's Press publisher, um, who lived in Davenport, Iowa. And he was um, he was murdered in his own home in January. Um, just a horrific, horrific crime. Uh, he just put out – so, you know, Bob Long um, – there's a lot to say about Bob. Um, I got to know Bob quite a bit because my wife's uh, family lives in the area of, of the Quad Cities, and so whenever I would go out there, I would uh, I'd go to his house. Uh, you know, we, we'd visit, uh, we'd talk books. Uh, he would inevitably try to sell me stuff. Quite often, it worked. Um, you know, he he ran chess festivals. He uh, he had a chess shop in downtown Davenport where I played my first FIDE rated event. Uh, the guy was he was a chess entrepreneur and. Um, a fascinating guy, you know, I, I did not always agree with him, um, but that didn't bother either one of us. Uh, and, 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 you know, um, I, I liked him a lot. He, uh, he published right before he died. And I, I think I've got probably one of the last, the last books he sent out uh, before he was murdered. Uh, Purdy's Search for Chess Perfection, uh, his latest edition of that. So uh, Thinker's Press not only published, um, Jeremy Solman's first book or Mark Buckley's, uh, he published the first edition of reassess your chess, Mark Buckley's practical chess analysis, which is like this little cult classic that some people know about Andy Soltis's confessions of a chess grandmaster, which actually the last time I saw from Bob, I bought one of his last copies cause I didn't have it. Um, yeah, he published all these really important books, but he was also the authorized publisher of Purdy's estate. And so he published everything that Purdy did. And, and this, who, go, who, go ahead. Was, who was Purdy for, for those who- not yeah. as deep in the weeds. Yeah, CJS Purdy was an Australian uh, chess writer and correspondence player in the 40s and 50s. Bobby Fischer famously said he was the best chess teacher out there. I uh, said he was the best chess annotator. And, um, you know, when Fisher says something, people tend to pay attention to it. So, yeah, this, this edition of Purdy's, basically his collected writings, Bob had just published the probably his last edition of it. And, uh, yeah, I, it's sitting here and I'm looking at it and – you know, I mean, a lot of our great American small publishers are dying. Um, you know, Bob Long was murdered. Dale Brandreth just died. Bobby Dudley died a couple of years ago. 
all these people who, you know, before there was a quality chess, before there was a new one chess, before there was a Russell enterprises, uh, these guys, you know, they were keeping chess literature alive. And uh, it's, it's, it's really bittersweet for me to look at this book and know that it, you know, I mean, I, I think he mailed this on January 2nd and, and he, he was killed a day or two after that. Um, and it's, it's painful for me to look at it because, you know, I knowing what happened, but it's also, I'm really glad I have it. Um, and, and anyone who is interested in Purdy, uh, you know, you, you should definitely try to get it. I think it's still being sold on Amazon and uh, it's, it's money well spent. You, you will not regret buying this book. Um, one other book I did want to mention. Where is it? Oh, uh, Fundamental Chess Strategy in 100 Games by Boris Love's Latinovic. Um, just a, it's a nice collection of, of lightly annotated games for, for a club player. Um, he doesn't beat you over the head with the annotations. So it's not a lot of, you know, like, it's not like Kasparov's My Great Predecessors where you, you can't follow what's going on because the analysis is a page long. Um, short lines, you know, short comments, but you'll, you'll learn about a lot about positional chess. And I think that's probably, uh, well worth your time. I did mention in my, in my April review that the only drawback to that book is that some of the annotations appear to have been, um, borrowed, shall we say from either Petrosian <laughs> or from Megabase, but, okay. but still, um, you know, nobody's perfect. And, uh, yeah, it, it's an interesting book for, for, for people who are looking to improve positionally. Okay. I could talk about books all day, so I'm going to stop. Um, but yeah, so lots of books. Um, and, and John will definitely keep you in good information about which ones are worth reading in the, in the months to come. Yeah. And I guess keep an eye on CLO also in case. Uh... Yes. I'm, I, I really want to do the Donner book. I just got to find the time to do it. Excellent. Um, okay. Another thing to talk about, John, I mean, you mentioned uh, GM Jakob Agard, of course, he and uh, RB Ramesh um, were both on, they were on the show separately and then together um, they, they're doing their 365 Chess Academy. Um, and I know that you are a faithful member. I do not know how on earth you find the time to keep up with the content, let alone the homework. But <laughs> what's what's the uh, what's the inside view, John? How's uh? I I, th- I think um, I think Jakob, who I've I've gotten to know a little bit since I met him in July um, at the at the U.S. Chess School. Um, I, I think he would tell you that I've not been as faithful as, as I should be, but I'm doing my best. Um, so yeah, the 365 Chess Academy is. If you are serious about your chess and if you, you know, if, if you really want to work, um, this is the place for you. It is not cheap. Um, you know, it's, it's $500 for the year. Um, when I signed up for the beginning of the year, I already knew I was going to be taking over chess life. And so I, I viewed it as a sort of investment in myself that I, you know, if I spent the money on it, I would be more likely to do the work. And it's to some degree, it has worked. Um, I've, kept up to some degree with the homework club, which for me is the most valuable part. The, the homework club is a set of how many is it? Is it 16 positions that you're emailed every week on the first sheet are six problems that are basically tactical in nature. Some are easy enough for idiots like me to get the last ones are uh, harder. (laughs) There's a sheet of six problems where you're going to have to, use all of your thinking skills to solve them and you have a set amount of time to do it. So if you're a grandmaster, maybe you get 40 minutes. If you're a regular human being, you get 60. And then the last page could be anything. And the last, you know, the the last problems on that page, like 15 and 16, 
they're the sort of problems that give Sam Shanklin trouble. So they're, they're tough. Um, each week, uh, Agard goes through all the answers in a video. And uh, that to me is, that to me is worth it. Um, just in itself to watch someone explain how to solve really, really complicated positions. Not just someone. <laughs> One no, of he's the premier trainers and authors in the world, but but yeah, he he is a, he's an excellent teacher, um, and and even someone like me, you know, a, an, an A player on a good day, uh, you know, I, I'm able to get a lot out of it. And in fact, uh, one of the things that I really like that he's doing right now is he's taking over the under eighteen hundred, uh, the under the under eighteen hundred course, and uh, with with uh, Rainier Castellanos, they're 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 doing it together largely. And they, they explain material very, very well for class players. So you don't have to be a GM to, to get something out of this. Although if you are a GM, I suspect you will get quite a bit out of it too. Yeah. I mean, I know they, as, as we talked about when I had them on, I mean, they've got, you know, young hotshots like I am Christopher Ewer, and I know they've got a couple other IMs um, in, in, in the group um, and, you know, players on down from there you know, yeah the, the, i think they've got they've got some grandmasters they've got they've got players whose names you would know we'll put it that way um some of which i i just sort of figured out by by you know, looking at their um their user list on the the user dashboard inside their website um not all these names are public but you know there there are names there that that, that listeners would know so yeah it's you know and, and again this is not a i'm not i'm not getting paid to say this i paid money to 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 join this and uh, between him and between Ramesh's uh, lectures on first on strategy and now on practical endings, well worth the money. Um, Ramesh is an excellent teacher. I didn't know that when, when I signed up, I mean, I knew he worked with all these Indian kids and you know, he was getting good results, but I didn't know if he could speak to someone like me, he can. And uh, I'm, I'm really, really happy with it. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, so many resources. <laughs> it's amazing. Well, that, yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's hard because, you know, the homework club could take eight hours a week if you let it. And, yeah. and I, I don't have the time. So, you know, I do what I can. And uh, then I then I watch the video and then, you know, I'm, I'm amazed at how much I didn't see. Yeah. I mean, I have to be totally honest about my experience with them. So like they they put me into the club in, 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 in advance so that for so that I would be able to talk about it, like having seen some of the videos before the interview, um, before I interviewed them. Um, and I was hoping to to join. I mean, I was willing and I mean, they're still sending me the stuff, but I'm not going to just free ride all year. If I consume it, I should support them, you know. Um, but I, I haven't been able to pull the trigger because even though I'm now working on my chess, it's like, you know, one hour a day on a good day, you know. And there's so much I need to work on in terms of my opening repertoire and just like actually doing tactics that if if I had another hour, I think I would... Um, I think I, I would I would be on board, but that might need to wait until quarantine is over. Yeah, no, and and I, I mean I think that's a difficulty for all of us right now. Um, you know, those of us who are fortunate to still be employed. I mean, you know, it, it's we're we're incredibly fortunate, but at the same time, you know, having kids at home or all of the the, the stresses that are added on to us by being in the situation, it, it means that you know something like chess study just you have less time and less energy for it. And, yeah. and we have to be realistic about it. You know, people who are writing the great novel right now, hats off to them, but yeah. you know, I'm tired. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm tired. And, uh, but what I like about this is it gives me, you know, it, it gives me something every week that I know I have to do, right. Or that I know I, I should do. 
And uh, for that reason, I like it. it. It's it's the hard calculation stuff that, you know, b- before I had my great performance at the U.S. Open, that's the sort of stuff I was doing. And I think that's partially why I did so well, is I was really working on calculation. This stuff, it, it's spoon-fed to me. And so this way, I know do, if I do this and if I do some stuff in the steps workbooks every week um, and, and I do a little bit out of um, – my, 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 my quarantine project is, is, uh, inputting all the blue positions from Dvoretsky's Endgame manual. Wow. Which, um, which the fifth edition is coming out, by the way, we're going to have an excerpt from that probably in the August issue. Oh, uh, chest life. Yeah. Yeah. I, I got to talk to Karsten Mueller and Alex Fishbein cause they did the, the revisions and it was really interesting to hear them talk about, you know, how they knew Mark. Well, in, in, in Karsten's case, he never met him. Um, but you know, Alex had studied with him. Um, and, and how it felt to sort of be revising the book after Dvoretsky's death and some of the discoveries they made, um, really, really interesting stuff. And so that's been my project is I'm, I'm doing that. I'm doing some, some stuff in the steps books. I went back to step four and I'm starting over cause I just can't see anything anymore and I need to, I need to work on it. And then I do some calculation stuff from the Agard, you know, from the Agard homework stuff. And then that's it. That's what I do for chess. I mean, that sounds like a pretty decent recipe under the circumstances, right? Well, I mean, you know, assuming I do it, that's the, <laughs> that's yeah, the problem. I mean, it's just, you know, it's either that or I go watch Rick Steves and, and zone out. And, uh, you know, the, I, I feel kind of nerdy saying that, but that's like my, my zone out thing right now is watch Rick Steves talk about, you know, going to Sicily and, and how exciting it is. And, and then I feel better. It's, I don't know what that says about me, but it, it's, that's what I do. Um, so, yeah, so, so that's, that, that's my chess stuff. Um, anyway. I don't know how we got oh. to Rick Steves, but shout out to Rick Steves. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah, it's hard. There's shows I would like to be watching as well. It's, it's, it's a tough time. And then you have the single, maybe fun employed, maybe unemployed, but even if they're employed, but they're just, they just can't do anything social for them. You know, some of whom I'm, you know, internet friends with those young chess players, they're just going to be out for blood when when the tournaments come back and they're like, you know, studying all the time, playing online tournaments all the time. Um, shout out to to Megan Chen, uh, who I interviewed as an adult improver. She's uh, playing like I, I can't even keep track just from following her on on Twitter, like eight online tournaments a day. It's just like, how you know, how wow. can I compete with these people? You no. Know? And that's that's why I feel like I got to go. You know, I, I got a woodshed now um, or, you know, by the time we get out of this, I'm, I'm going to, you know, I'm going I'm to be back down to 1500 again very, very quickly. Yeah, yeah, but you know, there's more, bigger, bigger issues in the world. That's for sure. There's nothing more important than our ratings, Ben. Come <laughs> <Right>. on. <laughs> um, I, I hope not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we we should all be so lucky. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So yeah, um, three sixty five. Yeah, if if you have the money and the interest, worth your time. Okay. Yeah, and and w- one other thing you mentioned. So you mentioned uh, you ha- you've had some good results, such as at the U.S. Open. Um, but you also emailed to me that you've had some frustrating results. As yeah. You, yeah. Uh, the, go ahead. I had, I had the tournament in my life at the U S open. I picked up a hundred points. I beat my first master. Um, I had to cheapo him to do it, but I did it. Hey, it all counts. It all counts. Um, I played possibly the single best move of my life in a King and pawn ending. Uh, when I showed it to, to Alex King and, um, Jakob Agard on Facebook, they did not, are you still there? I'm with you. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. My, my screen just went dark. I think it's because I hadn't moved the mouse in an hour. Um, wow. We've been talking a long time. Yeah. When I showed it to them, uh, they did not get it right away, which made me very happy and, and made me feel like a smarty pants for once in my life. So yeah, I had a great tournament and I put in work and uh, I had a couple of good results after that. And then I came home and it all went to hell. 
Mm -hmm. um, part of the problem is that I have learned that in, in, in contrast to the example of my great uh, tournament director exemplar, Harold, Harold Stenzel, uh, anyone on the East Coast who, or anyone who plays Goitsberg tournaments knows who Harold Stenzel is, the man with the loudest shh in the world. Uh -huh. um, I, I, I cannot play in tournaments and direct at the same time. I can't do it because I, I lose focus and I just play like a potser. So, um, yeah, I, I picked up 100 points in Orlando. Was it in Orlando? Where was it? I don't remember. Sounds, I wasn't there. Yeah, it was in Orlando, right. yeah. Um, and then I have given them all back since then. Uh, so oh. yeah, um, you know, it, it, it's so hard. I have to say the, 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 the more people I interview, like the more experience I have sort of observing this closely, the, the more hard it seems to me, um, to, to make significant improvements. As yeah. An, as well, an adult. I, I, I honestly think, you know, and the last time I was on, I said this, you know, that like, I'm, I'm like a 14 or 1500 talent who got to 1800 by hard work. And if I don't keep the hard work up, the results are not going to stick. So yeah, that's the worst part. You don't just, you don't even stay still. Like, uh, no, I always think of Alex Lenderman who I interviewed in the early days of this show saying, if you're, you know, if you're not getting better, you're getting worse. Yeah. And, and, and I, I think especially for adult improvers, I think that's hundred percent right. And yeah, you know, I mean, you, you talk about these kids who are online all the time and you know, the, like all they're doing is chess right now when, you know, when, when this is over, they're going to kill us. Yeah. And, and, and you know, what are we going to do? I mean, that that's that's the way the world works. So, you know, I, I guess the best thing any of us can do is just sort of just try to hold on to what we got and and uh, and and not lose face when the when the seven year old crushes us. Right. Yeah. Just maintain some pers some perspective. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, um, that was the nice thing though about the the win over the master at the U.S. Open. The kid was eight. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. That, yeah. I got I got him while he was young. So yeah. Bo bonus points. <clears throat> yes. Definitely bonus points. Excellent. Um, so John, I think the the last major topic I want to address, of course, we, we touched on it, um, in our general discussion of us chess and how quickly things are changing there, but, um, a little bit more about the direction of tournament chess generally. Um, for one thing you volunteered to discuss it. And then when I mentioned it to the, uh, Patreon and PayPal supporters of perpetual chess, Stuart Katz, uh, thank you, Stuart, for this, uh, laundry list of excellent questions, which to his credit, he, he said, just pick and choose, but they're actually all really good questions. So, um, maybe I'll just read them all, John, and you yeah, can just yeah, sort yeah. of, um, philosophize from there as I, so, I know you, uh, have training in what I do um, best. So he said, um, Regarding, um, so he, Stuart is just thinking about what over the board chess would look like um, when this is all over. Uh, and so one question he was kicking around is, uh, would more outdoor tournaments make sense? Any consideration of rules modifications such as pairings and wall charts um, only done by texting? Uh, results reported that way at a, at a, as well. Um, require or would players be required to wear masks? Would a test result need to be done within a certain number of days? Um, do you foresee smaller events? Um, could there be particular problems for smaller um, but poor air air circulation situations, such as the Mechanics Institute or the Marshall Chess Club? Um, possibly more shorter time controls. Um, uh, possible rating inaccuracies because there's been so much time away. I think that pretty much covers it, but yeah, excellent questions from Stuart to, for you to, um, bat around John. Yeah. And the short answer is I have no idea. Yes. Well, that goes without saying. Yeah. But answer. Probably the nor, question nor answer. do I. No, yeah. um, <laughs> you know, I mean, 
again, I, I can't speak to this on behalf of U.S. Chess, right? Um, but I can speak to it as a tournament player for 30 years, as a tournament director, as someone who's been to a lot of events, um, and, and someone who organizes tournaments here in, here in Nebraska. I do not foresee over-the-board chess being played in any serious way for the next year. Uh, or, in, or, or, you know, until... Um, until there's a vaccine or herd immunity. I, I just, I don't see it. Um, I would not, I would not go play in a tournament right now. I would not go play in a tournament for the next few months. Not even outside? To no. Get to Stuart's question. Um, you know, outside, I think outside is tricky because, you know, it's so dependent on so many variables. You know, if you're trying to schedule a, a tournament for two weeks out and, and you're trying to get 100 players to show up, you have no control over the weather. Um, you know, you, you have no control over any of the conditions. So if it's raining that day and you don't have, you know, a, a pavilion or appropriate shelter, you're, you're out of luck. Uh, outside seems to me to be something that, you know, maybe if, if you're a, if you're a, if you want to run a small tournament with your friends, I just saw, uh, the, the guy who started the chess tech websites, uh, Stefan Loeffler, I think his name is he, he, you know, he ran a, a quad at, at an outdoor cafe. Oh yeah, he had a nice write up on chess base. About yeah, I looked at that. I was like, that guy's crazy. I mean, yeah, you know, I'm good for him. Uh, there's no way on earth I do that right now, just because we do, there's so much we don't know about this virus. Um, you know, for me, I'm 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 very concerned about the the health of the mechanics and the marshal. I'm I'm not not the not like the health risks, but I'm I'm concerned about the clubs because they're institutions, and I I want them to be there in future generations. So you know, I. I don't have any answers about what it means for smaller, you know, like smaller, less well-ventilated places like that. But, you know, I, I am concerned about the places. Um, I, I just, I feel like, I feel like we just, there's so much we don't know right now. And until we have better science and until we have more answers and we, you know, we're, we're getting more and more every day. Um, I, I just don't see any over the board play happening at all. Or again, you know, outside of, you know, me playing a rated match with someone who's in my, like my quarantine pod, you know? Yeah. Like, you know, I, I got a friend who I feel very, very comfortable with and we play like a rated match and that's it. And who rate you rate it or who yeah, I mean, you'd, ha- you'd have to, somebody would have to be a TD, but you know, becoming a TD right. through us chess, um, you know, so long as you have the rule book and are willing to attest to the fact that you've read it, you can become a TD. So, uh, and if you really want to learn more, check out the various TD show seminars that are being streamed every week live and are available on our YouTube channel. Yeah, not a bad time for people no. who do have extra time. Yeah, yeah I, you know, I mean, and and again, you know, not to not to sort of beat a dead horse, but you know, if if you want there to be over the board chess with official ratings and national championships, if you want those things to exist after this is all over, after we can all go back outside and see our friends again, you got to renew your membership. I yeah. mean, th- there that's I mean, at the end of the day that's how us chess is able to thrive and continue doing things for, for American chess players. Yeah. And um, the mechanics and the Marshall. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, w- you, right. I mean, you know, it, it's things like, you know, if, if you love a magazine, whatever the magazine is, renew it, renew your membership right now. If, if you're able to do it, I mean, you know, I'm paid up, uh, you know, through the, for the New York review of books for like three years because I think it's important. And I want it to be there for the next three years. Um, yeah. I subscribed to the Atlantic and then I saw today they still had, you know, uh, 68 people laid off. Yeah. yeah. I, actually, I just, I just resubscribed to the Atlantic for that exact reason. Yeah. Um, because you know, I was reading the stuff online. It's like, I got to support this. Um, yeah. you know, us chess is no different. If, if you, if you appreciate what we do, 
Um, and again, you know, the, the magazine, you know, I, I, the magazine, um, there are so many cool things that are coming for it. Um, beginning even in the July issue, some new things that you haven't seen before. Um, you know, some new writers for us that, that you haven't seen before for writing for you, or some of them you haven't seen writing for us in a long time. If, if you like that, you know, become a member or renew your membership and, and do the premium memberships. So you get the magazine. Cause you know, if you don't do that, the magazine's not going to be there. Okay. I think, I think people, I think you've, you've, you've convinced those who are convincible, John, I will keep um, saying but, it until you cut me off, <laughs> but I'm, I'm on board. I mean, let, let's be clear, but yeah. I, I do want to quickly espouse my one hot take in yes. relation to uh Stuart's questions. And mine is just that, um, I don't like once there is either a vaccine or a herd immunity, I, you know, Jesse cry and I, um, three weeks ago, uh, or three weeks or so ago on perpetual chess also sort of, um, speculated a bit about what the chess world might look like. And my, as I've had more time to think about, I don't think it's going to change all that much is that's my hot take. I mean, obviously the online move is accelerating and like the chess as an esport movement is like thankfully picking up steam but i think the i don't think otherwise i think there's still going to be big tournaments i think if you know the clubs that can make it through will be a like other than that it will be relatively business as usual maybe time controls will speed up a tiny bit um which i kind of hope um so even though i'm bad at fast chess um so that's my hot take i I don't think it's going to be like a watershed event Uh, if we can get past this yeah. as a society. See, and I, I tend to agree with you there. I think the one the one thing that may go away, um, and it was already going away, at least in, in my view of things, uh, is the one night a week club. So, you know, like here in here in Omaha for a few years I was able to run the Jack Spence Chess Club. Um, by the way, if, if you um, read the May issue of Chess Life where I had my my article about uh, Howard Oman, um, Jack Spence is is mentioned in there. Jack Spence was a a chess author and historian who became famous around the world for his Spence limited editions, where he basically published the game scores of tournaments that otherwise would have been lost, like U S opens from 1959 through 1969 or something like that. Um, I, I had a club here, one night a week club modeled on the Nassau chess club. Shout out to the Nassau chess club. Brian Karen is a, a member. I don't know. He plays much anymore, but he was a member there. Um, that sort of thing I think is probably going to have a tougher time when clubs can now meet online like the Memphis chess club and Nebraska chess. They're, they're playing each week online and having some sort of community. My only concern is that stuff. Cause I, I mean, I love that. I love a one night a week club, like the, the, yeah, even that I'm not as concerned. Cause really? someone like, think about like Jay Bonin. I mean, you probably follow him on Facebook. Of right? course. Yeah. I mean, shout out to Jay legend of New York chess. Um, amazing player as well, but he's basically dying, you know? Yeah. Like, I mean, it's killing him. Like he's, he's never been an online person. Now he's trying to play these online tournaments. He's not, he's not going to stay online when he can go back to the Marshall. No, like, but, but at the same time, I mean, you know, the, the younger players, um, I, I suspect they, they may not be as resistant. And, you know, I mean, so much of chess is being played online now. I mean, one of the things Jesse cry talked about in his article was, you know, getting approached for lessons, by players who uh, he, he would think would be about 1900 strength. And yet they've never played over the board chess. They've just played online. Right. That sort of stuff. I mean, there's a mutation and, and, you know, okay. But those people already weren't playing tournaments. Right. Right. But I'm saying, I, I think that, I think that's going to accelerate. Um, and, and I'm worried about that because I, I love, I mean, you know, 
I mean, playing chess is great, but I mean, half the fun is going and seeing your friends. You know, like like the world team, the the, the amateur team East. I'm so glad I got to play that because I mean, what a, what a wondrous thing to be in a place with 1,500 people, most of whom know each other, and all of whom are just having you know, except for the ones who are playing for the you know for the for the trophies. All of them were just happy to be playing chess with their friends and and seeing people they hadn't seen since last year. Like that's what chess is for me. That, that it's a community, um, and and the internet has been eroding that. And I, I'm a little worried that this is only like we're, like I said before, we're not going to be able to put the genie back in the bottle. Um, I hope I'm wrong, but but yeah. I'm I'm worried about it. Uh, I'm less worried, although not not totally unworried. Yeah, <laughs> just, just less worried. Um, Cool. Well, it'll be interesting. I mean, it, <laughs> one thing's for sure, this is a, a bad moment to speculate about the future because as you how, said, things, things how, are changing so fast. How do you think I feel taking over Chess Life and, and Chess Life Online like during a pandemic? Yeah. <laughs> I, like, I, well, what are we going to cover? I have no idea. It's, but we'll, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. Um, yeah. I mean, to everybody listening, I just, you know, I hope you're all staying safe. I hope you're, you know, you're doing the things you need to do to keep yourself and your family uh, as little risk as possible. But, you know, when this is over, I mean, just, you know, come back out and play chess. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people I think won't need convincing. No, Um, no. Okay. Well, John, I think we got everything. So uh, obviously this is a podcast, so we should give a final plug to cover stories with chess life, which you'll be making your debut on yeah, with your popular I, uh, guest, uh, Jesse cry. Yeah. Right? It's uh, it's one of four podcasts that we have. Um, and for this one, I interview the generally the person who writes the cover story for that month's issue. And so Jesse has the cover for the June issue, by the way, for those of you who do subscribe, you're going to love this cover. Um, you can actually, if you go to USCF sales right now, you can see it. It's amazing. And it, it fits the times very well. And Jesse did an amazing job. Uh, so I'm going to be very excited to talk to him. And uh, then after that, we'll be doing it every month. Okay. Yeah. And the other podcasts, of course, uh, Jen Shahadi's ladies night. Um, uh, Dan Lucas is still going to be doing one move at a time. Yep. Right. Yep. And uh, Pete Cara, help me with his name. Cara Giannis. Yeah, Pete Karajanis does Chess Underground. So um, lots of uh, podcast offerings from U.S. Chess. Yes. Um, so uh, listeners can check those out. Um, I'm certainly uh, looking forward to hearing you talk to Jesse. Yes. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, if, if you're looking for me, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, Twitter.com slash Hartman Chess. Uh, Twitch on Monday nights, uh, if you want to uh, laugh at my terrible blitz moves. Although I did have a 14-move brilliancy the other day. I, I will just plug that. Nice. Um, you can find me at twitch.tv slash Hartman Chess. Um, and there's my, basically no competition on Twitch. so Yeah, none at all. Uh, you know, I mean, <laughs> Hikaru Nakamura, who, who's that guy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Alexandra Botez. Um, you know, right. No one's ever heard of her. Right. So... <laughs> Um, oh, but we should talk about the um, May thirtieth. Did we? T- well, 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 May thirtieth. Um, you will also be able to see me playing in the the online blitzing COVID fundraiser for UHS that um, that is being put on in conjunction with AIE. So May thirtieth, it's going to be on Chess dot com. Uh, they're requesting a thirty five dollar donation to play, but after that, it's going to be a fifteen hundred dollar prize fund donated by AIE. And all the prizes, uh, all the proceeds go to US Chess to help support us. So I will be streaming that as well. You can see me there. I don't know if you're gonna if I'm gonna be on the US Chess Twitch channel or my own, but I, I will stream it so you can you can laugh at me. That's Saturday, May 30th, and the information is up at uschess.org right now. 
Okay, and as always, I will um, I will link to it um, for anyone who actually reads the show notes. I I, um, I, I read them, but that's do you? Well, I mean, yeah, I but I'm I'm a sad person. Good, good to know. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, John. Fun as always. Congratulations on uh, on the new gig. Thank we you. Will miss, we will miss your reviews, but the promotion is well deserved. So thank you. Um, I I, I, I hope to earn everybody's trust. So um, yeah, hold hold me. Hold me to the to the high standards I'm trying to set. Excellent. Sounds good. All right, John, have a good night. Thanks, Ben. Special thanks to my producer, Matthew Passy, and thanks to you all for continuing to listen to and spread the word about Perpetual Chess. You can spread the word on Twitter. Follow me. I'm at Beneficial1. You can join the Perpetual Chess Facebook group and continue the dialogue about each interview after it is released. I also want to thank the people who've written a few new reviews on Apple Podcasts. That's good to see. Reviews on other podcast platforms and YouTube are also appreciated. But of course, most of all, I would like to thank the people who provide financial support to the show, especially these days as a lot of our lives are in upheaval. We're stuck at home. There's work changes and all that stuff. So it means the world to me that you guys have stuck with me and even in some cases added new support in these crazy times. So thanks. I really appreciate it. For anyone who's able to support, it is the Perpetual Chess Patreon page where you can donate through PayPal if you go to perpetualchesspod.com. So with that out of the way, first of all, of course, I would like to thank the sponsor of the show, Chessable. And I also would like to give extra special thanks to the following people and entities for their support. They include Quality Chess Books, the Capital City Chess Club, the Apprentice Twitch Channel, Andrew Bach, Austin Clough, Benjamin Porto, Kathy Carr, Chad Oliver, Dan O'Hanlon, Danny Davidson, David Schreiber, I am Dimitri Schneider, I am Eric Rosen, Faraz Sawaf, Gary Foreman, Greg Natel, Greg Shahadi, Guven Manet, Jens Green, John Jernigan, John Rockefeller, John Cromarty, John MacArthur, Kelly Palmer, Kevin O'Callaghan, Lorraine Dore, Lucio Casada Silva, the law offices of Stuart Katz, Michael Can, FM Michael Oblin, Mike Zelazny, Moonmaster 9000, Peter Sodi, Reuven Fisher, Seattle Chess Club, Thomas Stanix, Thomas Tachenko, Todd Bryan of StrongChess.com, Todd Kennedy, and I also would like to give thanks to the following people and entities Aaron Waffler, Ace Vallega, Adam Ralph of ChessEngland.com, Adrian Gutierrez, Alex Peja, FM Andre Tarakov, Andrew Perry, Anidi Deer, Better Chess Training, Bill Juniper, Bill Moran, Brad and Andy Rosen, Brett Howard Lynn, Brian Mullis, Chad Hilton, Dr. Charles Snodgrass, Chris Flanagan, Chris Wayne Scott, Christopher Baumgartner, Christopher Shabri, Chris Lott, Christopher Wood, I am Christoph Zalecki, aka Chess Explained, Coach Jay's Chess Academy, Courtney Fry, David Bleskachek, Daniel Gell, Daniel Ginsburg, Daniel Lucas of the U.S. Chess Federation, Daniel Naylor, Dave Saylor, David Cramerly of Chessable.com, Douglas Matthew, Dwayne Edmonds, Ed Daly, Ethan Smith, Ian Mason, I Am Elect, or possibly not I Am Elect, Donnie Ariel Esquire, Fox Valley Chess Club of Aurora, Illinois, Francis Latart Lavoie, Francis Tortoris, MD, Gary Andrews, Gary Lewis, Geert Vandervelt, Gerard Barta, Giovanni Russo, Hans Schutt, Harish Srinivasan, Jacob Kovach, Jacques Pari, James Aspinwall, James Banastia, James Murr, 
Jason Anfang, Jason Willem, Jadeep Chakrabarty, Jeff Anderson, Jeffrey Martello, Jerry Wells, Jim Ratliff, JJ Stranod, Dr. John Fallon, John Fernandez, John Fontaine, John Hartman of the U.S. Chess Federation, John Jeffrey, John McMurtry, Jordan Goodwin, Jose Rodriguez, Justin Gardner, Jen Shahadi, Joel Rocky, John Thompson, Grandmaster Josh Friedel, I am Kare Christensen, WGM Katarina Nemsova, Kelly Palmer, I am Kostya Kovutsky, Krishna Gopala Krishnan, Kyle McAvoy, Larry Wrightforth, Laura Beljowski, Martin Knudsen, Matthew Passy, Matthew Tedesco of SeattleChessMeetup.org, the Mechanics Institute Chess Club of San Francisco, Michael Alert, Miguel Araspati, Mike Clem, Mr. Mike Shahadi, Mitchell Fabian, Nate Solin, Neil Bruce, Olaf Mueller Michaels, GM Pascal Charbonneau, Passy Passan, and Paul Bain, Paul Clarkson, Paul Sweeney, Paulo Santana, Peter Lux, Randy Temple, Ricky Grijalva, Richard Hollenbach, Roy Yearwood, Ryan Berg, the Say Chess YouTube channel, Scott Dougherty, Scott McKinnon, Sebastian Finsterwater, Stefan Roller, WGM Tatia Vabrahamian, Tim Brennan of TacticsTime.com, Tim Seymour, Timothy Ha, Tom Edsel, Thomas Kolmanich, Tony Rotella, Tyron Price, Wayne Beam, William Brock, William Juniper, William Hogarth, William Peterson, FM Zhao Chang of Chess1000.com, and last but never least, Zhivko Soyanov. Thanks for listening, everyone, and I will catch you all soon. Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.